Anybody else look forward to Thursday nights? I look forward specifically to our worship. It's always refreshing to my soul. Y'all doing good? Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. You look beautiful. Tell someone next to you you look beautiful. <laughs> we have, um, we've been in this series the past couple weeks called In Progress and uh, talking about how we are all in progress and that's an encouraging thought but it's also a challenging thought. It's encouraging because uh, you know sometimes we seek perfection. I believe the Lord just wants to see progress, right? We just want to be in progress. So that's encouraging but it's also challenging because it means we need to be moving forward, that there's always progression and progression moves forward, not backwards. And so that's a challenging thought. But uh, we've been in this series, and we've talked about a lot of different things, but I want to go somewhere tonight that I'm praying and hoping will be encouraging to your soul. Before we do that, I, I need to make an announcement, give you a little bit more details about something that we talked about uh, last week. Last week, we introduced to you, we talked about an opportunity coming up uh, that our entire church is being a part of, and we're calling it Live Sent Day which is really cool. If you come to 12 Stone, you've been hearing a lot about it, but we are canceling our Sunday morning services on October 7th because uh, we have this, this thought, this idea. It's more than that. It's a mission uh, that Live Sent is let's get outside of the walls and let's be the church. And um, so we're canceling all of our services here in church and we're getting out and we're going to serve our community in different ways. And so we're encouraging people to uh, be a part of different nonprofits and different things in the community to, uh, to build our community, to live sent. And so last week we told you about an opportunity for us as the college ministry to come here to Central Campus, and we're going to be putting bags together uh, that are going to go to homeless shelters and help provide uh, basic necessities that a lot of them don't have. But there's been a slight shift. We've had a ton of people show interest in this opportunity, even outside of this ministry. A lot of people want to get on board with this. So we're going to make a shift to the time. Last week we said 1 to 3, and it's now going to be 9 to 1. So 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and there's going to be opportunities for you to come to the church and uh, go through kind of an experience where you're going to learn about the uh, issue of homelessness, specifically in Gwinnett County, and uh, what that's like all around us, but then have an opportunity to pack bags, and what I love even more is, is you're going to actually take a bag home, or at least put it in your car, and have a chance to uh, give that to someone, as you see throughout the community, and just uh, follow when the Holy Spirit leads you to give it out. So uh, that's kind of what we're doing now. So not one to three in here. It's going to be nine to one, and it's an opportunity not just for us as college students now, but we're going to make that an opportunity for everyone because it seems like something that uh, a lot of people want to get on board with. So anyways, October 7th, nine to one, and uh, you can do that. You need to sign up, so get online, 12some.com. You can find out more information about that. Y'all ready to go? <laughs> Last week, uh, we talked a little bit about pressure. You guys remember talking about pressure? And uh, one of the things that I said that may have been a little bit discouraging to you is that uh, you will never be able to escape pressure. There you go. Y'all have a good night. Thanks for coming. Uh, you are never going to be able to escape pressure. You will only face different pressure 
in life. You're going to have all kinds of pressures throughout life. Right now, you face some specific pressures, and you're never going to get away from pressure. You're just going to have different pressure. And so the key to dealing with pressure is not to get out from under it, but is to find an anchor that you can hold on to so that you can withstand any pressure that comes your way. And so we talked about how you're going to have different pressure. We talked about your pressure, my pressure. Right now, some of you have the pressure of finishing a bunch of homework. You got to get that done, trying to manage that while doing a job. So you got a little bit of money to go to the movies or, or pay your cell phone bill or whatever. So you've got that pressure. You got pressure of a dating relationship, trying to figure out if this is the one or this is not the one, or is there ever going to be a one? Or uh, you've got these pressures that you're walking through, and they're difficult pressures. I have my own pressures. I'm trying to lead a family. I got a wife, a child, a mortgage. I've got another child on the way. And, and my, okay. I already told you that. It's not new news, but thanks for, thanks for the encouragement. Um, and so, you know, my wife's getting stir crazy at home uh, because she's pregnant, and that's what they do. Their nesting is what it's called. I don't know if you know that, nesting. And so I got to figure out how to put shiplap on a wall. Never freaking put shiplap on a wall before. I got to figure that out for the nursery. I got to finish my basement. So we got a room for a kid to play. I got all kinds of pressure. You and I both have pressure. We'll never escape pressure. It's just going to happen. And so the key is finding an anchor that we can hold on to. But I'll be honest with you. Uh, you guys... College students or really anyone just in the age range of 18 to 25, I feel like you guys get a bad rap from people my age or, or, or really people older. I'm in the same generation as you, actually. But uh, people older, they tend to kind of throw some shade your way like, like oh, you, you don't have any responsibility now. Wait till you get older and you, and you have some responsibility. You ever heard that before? Like, just wait till you have to start adulting and then you really face some pressure, you know? I feel like you guys get a bad rap because... I remember being in your shoes, and I just got to be honest with you, like, homework is terrible, first of all. Some of you right now are thinking about, I got three hours worth of homework I got to go home to, or maybe I got to wake up in the morning, then I got to do work, then I got to go to school, and then I got to figure out how I can take my girlfriend on a date, but I don't have any money. I remember your pressure. It's awful, and it's just a a extremely busy season of life. Thank God I'm not in your stage of life, honestly. I'm so glad to be out of it because it's a busy season of life. And here's what I know. With busyness comes just a, I, I think it's natural. Busyness is just a natural, we neglect or we avoid and we don't know the necessity of rest. You just get so busy and you neglect rest. I want to talk just for a minute tonight about the importance and the value of rest. And I, just so you know, I don't mean specifically sleep, although that's important, but uh, it's bigger than that. How many of you love sleep while we're talking about it? You love, does anybody not like sleep? Um, okay, I, I, everyone, I feel like everyone loves sleep. I love to sleep. How many of you, um, anybody love day naps? Love taking a nap in the day? So good, so good. Unless you go out for a little while, then you wake up. A little more groggy, actually. You love day naps. Anybody know, like you would say, I need at least eight hours of sleep to be my optimal best. I need at least eight hours. Anybody less? You're like, I'm good with like five. I'm good with five. That's crazy. Y'all crazy. I, um, I met a guy. I met a guy recently who is 
really a high achiever, accomplishing a lot of things in life, someone that I look up to. And, and uh, I'm like, man, what's your secret? Like, what do, you, what do you do? And he said, well, one of the things is I have learned that I only need four hours of sleep a night. So I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's the most disappointing thing I've ever heard. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to be like you. I'm going to train my body to only need four hours of sleep. So I did my own, like, sleep study. And I decided to do two weeks of trying to figure out if I could operate off of four hours of sleep. And needless to say, after like a week, I determined, nope, not, I need, I need, honestly, my number I figured out is six. I need six hours of sleep. Seven is nice, but I can do with six hours. Maybe like one day a week, give me a little, give me seven, maybe eight would be cool. But I have a two-year-old, so, um, so six is my number. I need six hours of sleep. And if I don't get six hours of sleep and I get, I get less than six hours of sleep, I'm just telling you, you may not want to be around me. Anybody else agree? And you just admit that's, that's me too. You don't want to be around me if I get four hours of sleep. Cool. I'm a worthless piece of crap if I get four, if I get four hours of sleep. Everyone, everyone needs rest. We all need rest. If you don't get rest, you're going to mismanage relationships. You're going to misplace priorities and you're going to end up not giving your full attention or full effort into the things that really matter in life. And what happens is you'll just give kind of basic effort across the board to everything rather than giving a full energy, full effort into things that really matter. Everyone needs it. But here's what I've learned. I've seen in my own life that I can get a ton of sleep and actually still not feel refreshed. Or I can do nothing with my day and just sit and be still and watch football all Saturday and still not feel refreshed. Anybody else, you found that to be true too? Just because, you know, you can play six hours of Fortnite on Saturday and you still feel terrible, right? And you didn't, oh, y'all just going to act like you don't play Fortnite for six hours. Cool. <laughs> and so my conclusion is perhaps it's, it's more than just physical rest that I need. Perhaps it's more than just physical rest. And so as we talk about rest tonight, I want you to know it's not just sleep. Here's how I would define it, how I would talk about it. Rest is detaching from the hustle of life so that your body, mind, and soul can experience relief, restoration, and rejuvenation. Let me say it again. Rest is not just sleep. It's detaching from the hustle of life so that your body, your mind, and your soul can experience relief, restoration, and rejuvenation. Relief from the pressures of the world and life. Restoration, restoration so you can kind of get back to an equilibrium. And then rejuvenation so that you can go out feeling even more refreshed. Rest is a detachment. Detachment is more than just sleep. I was reading something the other day where uh, doctors are now saying that if you can get at least 16 minutes, doctors are always weird and throw out weird numbers like that. I'm like, is that an actual scientific study or you just wanted to feel special and not say 15? Uh, 16 minutes a day. If you can get 16 minutes a day where you detach from a screen and you allow yourself to dream. 16 minutes a day where you detach from a screen and allow yourself to dream then you'll improve the quality of your life drastically. Just 16 minutes. 
And so I want to give you a few thoughts tonight on uh, why do we avoid rest? Why do we avoid rest? And, and remember, not just sleep, but rest in the form of detaching from the world in a stillness. Because I believe that God would have you to live with a peace that only comes from him. But oftentimes that only comes when you detach yourself. So why do we avoid rest? Number one is this. I believe we have an addiction to productivity. An addiction to productivity. We are constantly, I don't know if you know, we are constantly in a state of doing. Just driven along by one thing to another. I don't know if, if you feel this way, but sometimes just like I wake up, I go to class, then I come home, then I have to work, and then I got this and that. And it's just one thing to another, and it's constantly about doing. And everyone that does a whole lot is glorified in worship because they've accomplished a lot with their life. And so there's a sense in our culture that you must do something. And so we're in a constant state of doing. Especially if you are a to-do list type of person. Anybody a to-do list person? You guys get an unusual high off of checking that box. It's really strange to me. Or scribbling it out saying, done, right? You get a weird high. But listen to me. Productivity is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But an addiction to productivity, an addiction to it, is when you embrace the idea that you are a human doing, not a human being. But God did not create you to be a human doing. He created you to be a human being. And we get so focused on doing that we don't just learn to be. And God cares more about who you are than what you do. And that's why you see a lot of people achieve great things in this world, but they do so at the cost of their soul because they become more about what they do than who they are. And they begin to break down internally from a soul level. See, rest is vital to you. Because you can do a lot and accomplish a lot, but break down internally and lose yourself in the moment. That was an Eminem song I just said the lyrics to. <laughs> but hear me out. There's a difference between rest and laziness. I think that's important. You don't get to... Uh, use the excuse of poor discipline, or you don't get to excuse poor discipline just to say, well, I need to rest, right? No, you were wanting to play six hours of Fortnite. That's not rest. That's an ex you're excusing discipline in that. I had someone challenge me um, right after, about six months after we had my son um, because I was complaining about, you know, I just feel so exhausted and all this kind of stuff, and, and it is a man much older than me, he's kind of a mentor in my life, and he said this, he said, uh, you know, I wonder if maybe if you're not tired at night and you're not just completely exhausted and you've spent everything you have, perhaps you haven't served your family like you've been called to serve them. He said, it's a good thing to be exhausted. It's a good thing to lay your head down at night completely tired because you have served your family or you've done what God's called you to do. So laziness, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about finding a time where you rest and you are still and you can be refreshed. And here's what I've learned and what I've seen. We love saying that we're busy. You, like how many times have you asked somebody, and honestly, maybe you've said it tonight. Like someone said, hey, man, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, staying busy. Right, you heard that? I've said it, I'm guilty. I'm doing good, staying busy. And we worship the idea of busy as if it's a good thing. But I just want to challenge us that maybe busy is not what we are meant to be. It seems like everyone in today's world is busy, but also everyone is overstressed and anxious. Maybe there's a tie between the two, and maybe we've forgotten the value of rest. Don't be busy just for busy's sake. One guy I know said it this way. He said, I'm not busy, I'm full. (laughs) He said, it it may sound like semantics to you, but I I don't say I'm busy, I say I'm full. Busy implies that I'm just kind of reacting to things that come at me, and I'm just kind of I'm chaotic and there's a bunch of chaos in my life and I'm just kind of taking things as they come. Full implies that I've counted the costs. I know what's ahead of me. I've got things on my calendar and I'm full. I've got a lot going on, but it's not catching me off guard. I know exactly what I'm doing and I've placed it in the right place and I'm in control of what's happening. See, I don't want to live a life that is reactive. I want to live a life that is proactive. I'd rather be full than busy. But we get so busy And it's something that we think should be celebrated. But just like there's a difference between rest and lazy, there's a difference between busy and productive. Busy doesn't impress me anymore. I can be busy with a lot of stuff and really not do anything. And so how do you fight the addiction to productivity? How do you fight it? Because I think it's it's out there. We all are, you know, we could all fall to it. In fact, it's just kind of in us a little bit to be productive. So how do you fight it? I'm going to give you a few things that I hope will be helpful. First thing is this. I want to challenge you, encourage you to learn to say no. (laughs) Seems really simple, right? Learn to say no. Don't say yes to everything, every option, every opportunity, everything that comes your way. Every time you say yes to an invitation or an opportunity, you have to say no to something else. And so value what you're saying yes to and determine if it's worth what you're saying no to. This is important for all of you people pleasers out there who hate to say no to somebody. Some of you need to learn the discipline of saying no. I am, uh, I'm an introvert, naturally. I love people. I love being around people. But introvert, I I re-energize. I kind of just refuel myself by getting alone. I need Man, I need that time like every day, right? Anybody, any introverts out there? Awesome. Love you guys. Extroverts? I mean, I guess if you're not an introvert, you're extrovert. All the extroverts are excited about it. Um, I want to let everybody know I'm extroverted. Um, So I'm an introvert, and a couple years ago, I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, before I got married, I had an apartment there, and I remember specifically it was a long week. I had gone through a long week of work and a bunch of stuff going on, and I was just exhausted. And so I, get, I got Fridays off. And so uh, that Friday I said, you know what, I'm going to just like veg out hard, and I'm just going to binge watch Netflix or something. I don't want to do anything. And that morning, one of my friends texted me, and he said, hey, he asked me the worst question. I hate this question. He said, do you have plans today? Please do not ask that question to anyone. Everybody knows what follows that question is something. I mean, you have to answer yes or no. And if you answer no, who knows what's coming next, right? Something like, okay, cool. I'm moving out of my third-story apartment into another third-story apartment. Can you help me move? And you've already told them you don't have plans, so you're just dead, you know. Um, That's the worst. If you ask me that question, 
I don't know. I'm going to be angry. So anyways, my man asked me that question, and I thought, okay, I have a chance here. I have an opportunity. What am I going to say? So I said, yes, I do have plans. So, uh, yep, done. I have plans. Just left it at that. So he said, okay. And my plan was to not do anything that day, right? That was my plan. I was just going to veg out. So it was like, you know, I think it was like 1 o'clock or something. I was about six episodes into Breaking Bad. And uh, I get a knock on my door. And I'm like, oh, you know, what is this? So I open the door, and it's that guy. And he says, and I'm in my PJs. <laughs> PJs. What a dad. I just said PJs. <laughs> that is awful. I'm embarrassed. Um, so I'm in my pajamas. And uh, he's like, what are you doing, man? I thought you had plans today. I'm like, I did have plans. My plan was to do nothing. <laughs> that was my plan was to do nothing. And I evaluated if I say yes to you, that I'm not going to get some me time. And I know I need some me time to be refreshed, right? What refreshes your soul? What, do you, what, do you, what refreshes you? You got to learn. You're going to have to say no to some things. And yes to some things to trade. So learn the discipline of saying no so that you can do what refuels your soul. The second thing is this. It's a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit more heady. But I would, I would encourage you with this. Learn the habit of the Sabbath. Learn the habit of the Sabbath. I want to read to you some scripture in uh, Exodus chapter 20. Um, the Sabbath is something, if you've been around church for a long time, you may have heard this word used before, Sabbath. It's essentially uh, what the people of God did to set apart themselves, that they would take one day out of seven days to uh, rest from their work and to worship God and honor God. And this started way back in the very beginning in Genesis. We see that God, after he created the world, it said that he worked six days, he created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And he set into motion this practice of the Sabbath, and it became uh, more than just a practice, it became a law for the people of God. So we read in the Ten uh, Commandments, which we don't ever read anymore, but one of the Ten Commandments, I believe it's commandment number four, in Exodus chapter 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord God. So this was a sign in the Old Testament. This was a sign that the people of God were set apart. This is one of the things that set them apart, and this is one of the ways that they obeyed God in this. Now, we know that this is an Old Testament law, and because of the coming of Jesus, he set into motion uh, that we are not under the Old Testament law, but we are under the New Testament law. We're under the law of love. And so this is not something that we live under anymore as Christians, but I, I enjoy studying it. Even in the New Testament, you can see where it talks about it. When Jesus was confronted by uh, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. He was confronted by them, him and his disciples, because they were not following the Sabbath laws that were set in place in the Old Testament. They didn't keep them. All the religious leaders like piled on all these laws to the Sabbath. Crazy things like you couldn't carry a bundle of sticks on the Sabbath day or else you'd be put to death. I mean, stupid things that they took the Sabbath day and blew it up. And so Jesus in the New Testament, him and his disciples are caught not following those. And so the religious leaders blow up. 
And Jesus responds by saying this in uh, the book of Matthew. He says, uh, essentially, if you knew the law, you would know that in the book of Hosea, and he quotes the book of Hosea, and he says this, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he puts into motion the new law, the law of love, the law of mercy. And then he says in Mark chapter 2, essentially the same account in a different book. And it says this, says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Really interesting words. It says the Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. Essentially what it's saying is that the Sabbath was meant to help Man. It was meant to be a relief for man. It wasn't something that man, by the way, man or woman, felt attached to. It was something that was a relief for them. It was meant to help them. And so we are not bound to the law of the Sabbath, but the principle still stands. And I believe it's something that we should practice even to this day to some extent. Because here's the truth. Where you detach yourself from the grind, you can then lean in more into him. But you have to detach yourself from the grind of life. I love, I was reading, John Piper says it this way. He says, the Sabbath reminds us that God is the creator, the deliverer, and sustainer of life itself. If not for him, we would be nothing. He has indeed designed us so that we would work, but our work neither creates nor saves nor sanctifies. For these, we depend on the blessing of God. All things are from him and through him and to him. Lest we ever forget this and begin to take our strength and thought and work too seriously, we should keep one day and seven, to seize from our labors and focus on God as the source of all blessing. Essentially what he's saying is this, that a Sabbath day allows you to reflect on all the other days and say, you know what, all my work, all my labor, all the things that I've put into this really amounts to nothing. That all of my life is from him, is for him, and is to him. And so here's my encouragement to you. Would you be willing to at least try? Try to find 24 hours to rest. Resting is different for everyone. If, if, if you sit at your desk, you sit at a desk all day and work or, or whatever, then rest for you, maybe getting out and going for a walk. If you work the farm all day, <laughs> that's not, you guys don't do that. If you work strenuously all day, then rest for you is, man, take a nap. Like, just go and sit somewhere and be still and rest. You say, Austin, I don't have time for that. My fear and my encouragement would be this. You don't have time not to. You don't have time not to rest. Because the more you stay addicted to productivity, the more your soul will deteriorate. Because you will lean in and you will become more of a human doing than you do a human being. You don't have time not to rest. You need it. And then the second thing I would encourage you with is this. Sometimes we avoid rest because we want to avoid pain. It's avoidance of pain. 
There are some people who believe as long as I stay busy, as long as I stay doing something, that I don't have to come to terms or I don't have to acknowledge my dysfunction. I don't have to acknowledge the pain in my life. So as long as I just stay doing something, then at least I won't be reminded. So even 16 minutes a day to just stop and sit requires that I stop and sit and then I acknowledge the very pain in my life and the dysfunction and all of that. And so many of us would rather just stay so busy so that we don't have to handle it or we don't have to go to God with it and ask for healing. So let's just stay busy so we can avoid it. And I know this may be a little bit aggressive, but it is essentially the same as someone who causes physical harm to themselves. It's essentially the same thing. Although it is less visible, although you can't see it from the outside, it's a deterioration on the inside. Because I would rather avoid pain. People who... who, uh, cut themselves, what they're doing is they're causing physical pain to themselves so that they don't have to acknowledge or they don't have to deal with the internal pain. So it's essentially, this, it's not visible, it's not seen, but we would rather stay so busy so that we don't have to avoid the hurt and the dysfunction and the pain in our lives. So let me just stay busy so my thoughts don't have to go there, my mind, my heart, my soul, we just can just avoid all of it. And so what we do is we self-medicate pain. We self-medicate it, whether it's self-harm so that you can cause physical pain so that you don't have to address inner pain, whether it's drugs and alcohol so that you can just numb the pain, or whether it's staying so busy so that you don't have to address the pain. But we talked about it a few weeks ago when we discussed the life of Hannah, and we talked about the scripture that says, blessed, blessed are the, those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will receive comfort. Blessed are those who mourn. So only those who mourn their pain can receive the comfort of God. So the more deeply you mourn your pain, the more deeply you can experience the comfort of God. The more freely you mourn your pain, the more freely you can experience the comfort of God. My concern is that many of us can't stay still for 15 minutes. And we can't detach ourselves from the hustle and the grind and all these things of life because it causes us to think about our own insufficiencies and dysfunctions. But the truth is this. If you refuse God's comfort, you will look for other ways to be comforted. And I just got news for you. Nothing will comfort you like his comfort. And so I just want to encourage you, even if it means you have to go to that place and you have to deal with the pain and you have to think on those things and you have to ask God to heal those things in your life, it's worth it because his comfort is better than any other comfort you can receive. Stillness is an invitation for healing and an invitation for peace. Stillness. I was reading this scripture and I thought I'd share it with you in uh, Matthew chapter 10. Uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what they should do when they go out. When they go out and they're, you know, ministering to people in the community and all this stuff. And he says some wild things. He says this in verse 12. He says, as you enter the home, so as you enter someone's home, give it your greeting. He says, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. 
He said, if it is not, let your peace return to you. Interesting. Very interesting words to me. But here's what it, here's what it tells me. Peace is something you can give. Peace is literally something that you can give to people. And there are some people who carry a, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you've experienced, I've experienced. There are some people who carry like a calmness, a stillness, a peace about them. You ever experienced this just from talking to someone that it like rubs off on you? And it's just this comforting like uh, demeanor and this comforting countenance that someone carries about themselves and it rubs off on you. The opposite is true too. You ever been around someone you can just tell in their eyes and just their mannerisms that they're just chaotic and, and they're filled with stress and anxiety. It's just all over them. And all of a sudden, if you get around them for too longer, you're like, I think this is starting to rub off on me a little bit, right? But peace is something that you pass. Literally something that you can pass. And so my question is this. When people leave from being around you, do they leave more anxious or do they leave more peaceful? I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person that when people get around me, there's just a sense of like peace and stillness and calmness. And I believe this, that you can't possess that unless you go and rest, unless you go and have still moments where you ask God to speak into your soul and refresh your soul and you detach yourself from all the hustle and things of life. You can't pass peace unless you've been still. I think, you know, those you get around who just have this demeanor about them, obviously is, is something... There's power in the words that are shared, and obviously words carry a lot of weight in that, but there's something about who they are. And here's what I believe. You release whatever you carry. You will release whatever you carry. And you can't carry peace unless you've been to a place of rest. You can't carry peace unless you've been to a place of rest. And we constantly... We consistently see Jesus do this in the Bible. He detaches from the crowds. He detaches from his to-do list, which, by the way, to-do list can be good. And his to-do list was probably the best. His to-do list was to save the world, right? He had a better to-do list than you and I. But he detached himself from that so that he could be alone with the Father, so that he could have moments of rest where he was refreshed and refueled by him. Moments of rest. So what does this look like practically? What does this look like for you? Like I said, I don't, I don't think this is just get more sleep. I want to know moments in your day when you can detach and be still and where you can fill up and be refreshed and rejuvenated from rest. What does it look like? Maybe for you it's walking in the park <laughs> once a day or once a week. Once a day, if, if you're into that, go for it. Once a week. Maybe for you it's taking a walk in the park. Maybe it's going to church with some friends and then going out to eat afterwards and just letting go of everything else and just enjoying the community that God's put you with. Maybe it's 20 minutes sitting outside without your phone, without a TV, without a computer, just sitting and praying and dreaming and asking the Lord to speak to you. 
Just detach, just detach from the world. Take time to rest. And as you rest, as you rest, do these things. Acknowledge that he is God. Acknowledge that he's God, that he's sovereign, that he holds the world in his hands. He's, if he holds the world in his hands, he can hold you in his hands. Acknowledge that that's who he is. And then affirm your love for him. Affirm your love for him. Affirm your trust in him. Affirm that you are dependent on him. Affirm that you trust what he's doing in your life. Affirm that you're reliant on him. And this rest will rejuvenate you, refresh you. And lastly, I want to speak to a group of people that maybe this is specifically for. Jared, you can come back up. Many of you are tired, not physically and really not emotionally, but you're tired spiritually. You're worn out spiritually, if you were to be honest. And the reason is you just can't get away. We talk about being in progress, and maybe it stirred in you this sense of like doing, doing, doing. I got to be doing. I got to be progressing, and and I got to accomplish things. And it's just built something in you where you are trying to buy or earn the affection of God. And you're tired and worn out spiritually from working so hard so that God would love you. And I just can't talk about this tonight without telling you that's not how this works. You don't have to earn. You don't have to work for his love. You don't have to work for his affection. It's already given to you as a son and a daughter of his. It's already been given to you. I love this scripture in Matthew chapter 11. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Verse 28, it says this. This is Jesus talking, and he says this to you tonight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke is kind of a funny word. We don't use it in today's world. It's not talking about the middle of an egg. What it's talking about is uh, back then a yoke was a, a piece of farming equipment that was put on uh, oxen so that they could uh, have a similar path. They could kind of carry their momentum in the same direction. It, it united them together as they pulled you know, equipment behind them. And so the teachers of religion and of the law in the New Testament, what they had done is they had put a heavy yoke on people, on followers of God by saying, you have to perform all these religious duties and you got to keep all these rules and regulations. You got to live this certain way. And they had put a heavy yoke on people, a burden that was sitting on people that in order to follow God, I have to achieve a certain amount of whatever. And I've got to earn his affection by doing all these right things and these good things. And then Jesus comes and he says this. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's not what I want for you. I love it in the message version, another translation of the scripture. It says it this way. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. 
Some of you grew up in a home that just burned you out on religion. He says, come to me, get away with me and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What a beautiful saying. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think that's something probably all of us desire, to live freely and lightly. And so, you know, my prayer for this ministry, for our community, for this group, really, is that there would be a sense of rest when you walk in here. And as you congregate with the people of God, with the people in this room, that there would be a sense of peace, that there would be a sense of rest, uh, a sense of everything else in my life just kind of falls off my shoulders in here. But reality is, I don't want that just in here for you. I want it for you out there. And so my question is, maybe, is that you? Maybe you feel worn out. Maybe you're tired by following religious duties. I got news for you. Jesus didn't come to put religious duties on you. He came to establish a relationship with you, a relationship where the yoke is easy, the burden is light. It's about relationship, not about fulfilling a bunch of do's and don'ts. And so maybe tonight you're tired and worn out. Maybe physically, emotionally, maybe spiritually. And I would offer to you that the best place that you can run in that moment is to the feet of Jesus. To the feet of Jesus, because in him, there is refreshment. In him, he restores all things. In him, there is new life. In him, there is an easy yoke. There is a light burden. In him, he can do all that in you. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just wanna enter us into a time of prayer. Maybe for you, just be honest and say, you know, I am exhausted. I feel exhausted physically. And I just need the Lord to renew my strength. I need the Lord to teach me his unforced rhythms of grace. And I just need strength. I feel weary, worn out by life by the things that are emotionally taking me out. Maybe I'm recognizing that spiritually, I'm just on a constant to-do list trying to do everything. And that's not from him. That's not from him. And so my prayer for you is that you would find renewed strength at the feet of Jesus. That you would find a refreshed soul and that your weary body would find strength and that you would find the unforced rhythms of grace and what it means to walk in relationship with him. So Father, we love you tonight. I thank you. I thank you that 
you would desire for us to live in that. Lord, I thank you that that is your invitation, an invitation away from stress and chaos and calamity and confusion, but an invitation to a life of peace and rest. So Father, would you show us what that looks like? But I, I don't want to just talk big spiritual things, Father. I ask that you would take that from up there into a practical sense of living that each person in here can walk out with. And Lord, in this moment, we just run to you. We ask that you would refresh us, that you would renew our strength. God, that you would restore us, rejuvenate us. And so I wanna do this, just give you an opportunity, maybe that's you, and maybe you just need to say, Lord, I need your strength. I need it physically, I'm tired. I need it emotionally, I'm tired. Lord, I need it spiritually. I need to stop this thing being about rules and regulations. I need this to be about a relationship. So I just want to give you a moment, maybe just five minutes for you to do business with the Lord. Maybe sit at your chair. You can stand. You can walk to the back. You can pray. You can kneel. You can do whatever you want. The band's going to lead us in a song. You can join with them and sing. But I want to encourage you. What is, what is the Holy Spirit leading you in? What is he saying to you? Where do you need renewed strength? Let's sing
I just would love if, um, if you feel like that's you, if you're like, man, I'm physically just exhausted from life. I'm emotionally drained. I'm, I'm spiritually drained or whatever. I'd love if you would allow us just to pray for you. There's no shame in just saying I need some prayer. And so if that's you, I'd love, would you just raise your hand? So cool. If there's someone around you with a hand lifted, would you just put your hand on them? And uh, it doesn't have to be weird. We just want to pray for you. And um, the Lord reminded me of this scripture in Isaiah 40. And so I'm going to read it over you. It says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. It says that he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So Father, I pray that you would elevate hope in you in this room tonight. For those who have their hands lifted, Lord, I ask that you would increase their hope in you, that you would send them, that you would give them a renewal, Lord, a revival in their soul of hope in you, of trust in you. 
Lord, of dependence upon you, that they would lean more into you. And Father, I pray that you would supernaturally deposit an increase of strength in their life. God, that you would take them from weary to strong. And Lord, I pray that you would take them spiritually to a place of dependence upon you. Lord, where they trust you at a deeper level. Father, a place where, where they are not dependent so much on their activity, but on the activity of you on the cross and what you did for them and that you rescued them and saved them. So Lord, would you increase strength in this room? Lord, we love you tonight. We tell you we love you. You're the one our soul, our hope is found in. Jesus, we love you. i 